So we spent uh, some time last week looking at an ancient piece of advice, and let's see if uh, those of you who were here last week, if you remember it, it went uh, something like this. Everyone, meaning everyone, should be quick to listen and slow to... Speak. Okay, you got it. You got it. How many of you all actually practice that ancient piece of advice, right? Okay. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. It's a piece of scripture that comes from uh, Jesus's younger brother, James. And as we said last week, if each of us were to follow this ancient piece of advice, then everyone would benefit from it. We have the ability to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Because here's the thing, God created us with a gift. That when we were each created, God gave us a wonderful and great gift. God gave us this button. Now... We may not always utilize it, we, uh, we may not always actually hit the pause button, but we all have the ability to hit pause and be quick to listen and slow to speak. It's a great thing, but what we actually need is this button, rewind. Unfortunately, we don't have that button, right? Don't nudge the person next to you, okay? Uh, because here's the thing. Uh, we don't have a rewind button on our mouths. We can't take back the words that we have said. It's like trying to put toothpaste back into the tube. Sometimes it just makes a bigger mess than we started off with. Uh, we can't take back those hurtful words that we have said. It's like uh, if I slammed Tim's hand in the car door and I said, Oh, Tim, I'm so, 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 so sorry. And I said that I'm so sorry over and over and over and over and over again saying I'm sorry might help, but it doesn't make Tim's hand feel any better, and I still have to take him to the ER to fix his broken hand afterwards. We can't take back the words that we have spoken, and so here's why this is so important. It's because our words, our words have the ability to create our worlds. Our words can create our our worlds, our words, your words have the ability to shape our world, that your life, your life has been shaped by words that have been spoken to you, words that have been spoken about you, and words that have been spoken over you. Our words, and particularly others' words about us, have created our world, so much so that when many of us look in the mirror, what we see there is actually what others have said about us. That what we see in the mirror is what others have said about us. What we see with our eyes has first been shaped by what we have heard with our ears. It's kind of a big deal. So listen to what James says a little bit later on in his letter. James, the brother of Jesus, has to say about how we are to say the stuff that we do say. So this is how he starts it off. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Oh, joy, good news for me, right? Wonderful. 
It's like the most sobering verse in all of scripture for any uh, preacher. Um, But the truth is, I'm very aware of the severity of this, that when I stand up here every Sunday morning and I speak to you all for way too long, I'm sure you feel, uh, but when I speak to you, I understand the severity of this because my little mouth and this little microphone that is attached to it could totally ruin my life. That I could stand up here and say a whole bunch of stuff, some of which I want to say, but I won't. But if I were to stand up here and say a whole bunch of stuff, next week, Julia, our SPR chair, and my district superintendent would be standing up here and saying, hey, you all remember Jason? Yeah, he's not coming back, right? You were here, you heard what he said last week, and uh, he's gone, he's gone, right? So uh, my words can totally change the direction of my life. But James isn't just talking to preachers who are standing behind pulpits here. He's talking to each and every single one of us because his older brother, Jesus, said it this way. This comes from Matthew chapter 12. He says, I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word that they have spoken. We will each be held accountable for the words that we speak. Every word that we speak and every word that we fail to speak. So parents, you are accountable to God for everything that you say to your children and everything that you fail to teach them. Bosses, you will be held accountable for every word that you speak to your employee, friends, neighbors, men, women. You will all be held accountable to God for everything that you say and everything that you fail to say. We will all have to give an account to God for every empty word that we have spoken. So yeah, This is kind of a big deal. And here's the crazy thing. Our words are not equal. Jesus says there are some words that are empty. That's because our words are not equal. I mean, how many positive, how many encouraging, how many affirming words does it take to counter that one hurtful word spoken to you? It's like trying to count how many licks it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop. You just can't count it. That's because our words are not created equal. And and the source of our words are not equal. Now, for all of us, all of our words matter. But for some of us, some of our words matter to some more than others. So moms and dads, stepmoms and stepdads, your words weigh 10,000 pounds to your children. And children, which is all of us, your words are the heaviest words that your parents will ever, ever hear. And Christians, your words weigh 10,000 pounds to all of your non-Christian friends. Do you feel the weight of this yet? And so while we're here, let me just also say this. So men, men, honor women with your words. Men honor women with your words. Women honor men with your words too, but it seems like you don't have as hard of a time as us men do for some reason. 
So men, honor women with your words. I mean, that's the kind of world that we want to create. That's the kind of world that we want to live in. That's the kind of world that we want our daughters and our granddaughters and our sisters to grow up in and live in. So honor women with your words because our words have the power to create worlds. So let's create a better one. Let's create a better one together. James goes on and he says this. We all stumble in many ways. And that's so true. (laughs) And if you don't think that you don't stumble from time to time, James gives this little self-assessment quiz. He says, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. So who fits that category? That you're, you're in the perfect category, right? You've never misspoke. You've never said a hurtful word. You never have wanted to hit that rewind button and take back what you said. I don't see any hands up, right? Okay, I think we all agree we don't fit in that category. So he goes on. He says, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect and able to keep their whole body in check. Now, this is where it gets really interesting because James says that if you can keep one part of your body, one small part of your body, your mouth in check, then you can keep your whole mouth in check. Now, that might sound strange, but you know that it's true. Let me tell it to you this way. My wife and I, we have two young boys who are at that age where no is their favorite word. And they've also developed this keen ability to talk back to Jenny and I and really get on our nerves. And so when they do mouth off to us, what we do is we do not just take their mouth and put it in timeout. We take their whole little body and put it in timeout. Bosses, you know this. You don't just fire a mouth. You fire a whole employee. You don't divorce a mouth. You divorce a spouse. But James says if we can control just that one small part, that one small part of our body, then we can keep our whole body in check. He goes on and he says, here's an example of it. When we put bits into the mouths of horses, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal, a bit that one small piece of metal that rests on the horse's tongue so that when you pull back the reins, it presses on their mouth and their whole head turns back and you can turn a 2,000 pound animal with just one small bit. Or take ships, for example, he goes on. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder. Wherever the pilot wants to go. And so just like that very small rudder can change the entire direction of a ship, so our tongue, a very small part, can change the entire direction of our life. His point is this, small part, big influence. Small part, big consequence. Small part, big impact. Because remember, your words create your world. And so speak words of blessing. 
Speak words of praise. Speak words of thanksgiving. Speak words of encouragement. Speak words of love. And wait and see what God can do through you. And if you want to change the direction and trajectory of your own life, speak words of hope. Speak words of gratitude. Speak words of, of love and praise and see. See how your world changes as you speak of your world differently. And so James goes on, he says, likewise, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Again, small part, big influence, small part, big consequence. So when I was about uh, 10 years old, um, me and my buddies uh, were playing in the woods at one of our friend's house and we were doing things that 10-year-old boys shouldn't do, but we were 10-year-old boys, and so we did them, like lighting uh, little bottle rockets off uh, in the woods and lighting leaves on fire and all that stuff. I'm sure no one else has ever done that before. Um, and then we left, and you know, we went and rode our bikes around the neighborhood, and we pulled back into our friend's house, and we were met with a fire truck there. And everything was fine. Everybody was okay. But we burned down this giant oak tree that was in my friend's yard. We were just messing around. But what started as a spark that was left unattended grew and grew and consumed and consumed and destroyed what was done by total accident had a great, great consequence. And so I learned a very valuable lesson that day. Well, I learned two lessons that day. One, it is true that children should not play with matches. That is, that is absolutely true. Two, I learned that even though it was an accident, and even though I begged and pleaded with my parents to understand that it was an accident, not you know ground me for the next year of my life, which they pretty much did, but even though it was an accident, even though we didn't mean to do it, we were still responsible for the fire. That even though we didn't mean to let that one spark go, that one ember sit, even though it was a total accident, we were still responsible for the fire. And just in the same way, our words, even if they're spoken on accident, we're still responsible for the fire and the damage that comes from them. And so here's the truth. And as hard as it is to confess it, we all know that it's kind of true. We know that we have scorched other people with our words. That we've burned other people. Sometimes by accident, but, but sometimes really not by accident. And sometimes it's been the people that we love the most, the people that we've committed our lives to, our, our children and our grandchildren, our, our parents, our spouse, or our boyfriend or our girlfriend. We scorch our parents. We scorch our friends. We scorch our neighbors. We scorch our church family with one another. And it all happens with one little spark, one little strike of a word. That's all it takes 
to burn the whole thing down, to burn the whole relationship down. And so if you grew up in a house where you were scorched by words, or if you've been in a relationship where you have been scorched by words, today I would encourage you to blow it out, to stop the cycle, to stop repeating those same words that unfortunately you have had to hear. Those words that unfortunately have shaped your world, but you don't have to repeat them yourself. You can break the cycle and make the decision today to give your mouth over to God, to surrender it, surrender your tongue, to be used for God's good purposes. Proverbs 18 21 says this, it says, the tongue, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We have the choice that our tongue can either produce life or death. It has that power. And yet, why so often do we choose to scorch one another with our words? Why so often do we choose to seek death and destruction with the words that we say? Well, James goes on, he says, here, I'll tell you why. He says, the tongue is also a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body, it corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Whoa, James, you really just went there, man. Wow. I mean, the tongue, our tongue, it's set on fire by hell? Really? Well, have you ever said something really hurtful? Have you ever lashed out at someone and, and, and scorched them, even by accident, and, and you've thought, whoa, where in the hell did that come from? James would say, Exactly. That's it. Where in the hell did that come from? Well, that, that's it. That there, there's something deeper going on there. There's, 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 something, there's something a little bit darker and nastier that's lying beneath the surface than just waking up on the wrong side of the bed here. But James says there's evil. There's evil that's just below the surface that's trying to spill and spew its way out. And what you have to do if you're not careful you have to keep your mouth in check. So listen to what he says next. He says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures, where are we going here, James? They are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil. Fun fact, did you know that your tongue is a muscle? And did you know that your tongue is one of the only muscles in your body that never wears out as you age? Some of you all know that all too well, right? It is restless. James says it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So James, you're telling me there's no chance. There's no chance. I, I, I can't tame this thing that lies within me. This small thing I can't tame it. And James would say, no. Well, mostly not. You, you can't tame it, but what you can do is that you can guard against it, and you can actually use it for good. Look what he says next. He says, with the human tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, 
So good can come from our tongue. We can praise our Lord and Father and, or, yes, and, with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt, a salt spring, produce fresh water. Two opposites cannot come from the same source. And yet when it comes to our mouth, it happens all of the time. We speak out of both sides of our mouth. One moment we're going, your praise will ever be on my lips, right? And then we go, no, you're singing it wrong. Shh, you're a fool. (laughs) We can praise God and curse our brother and sister the very next moment. So my brothers and sisters, that should not be. That should not be. That's cursing. And, and Christians, we, we get a little confused about this sometimes. We, we think that, that cursing uh, really evolves around four-letter words. And, and if we could refrain from saying those four-letter words, then, then we keep our mouth in check. Our mouth is clean. We don't need the bar of soap or any of that stuff. Jesus, keep that away, okay? I haven't said those four-letter words. But really, there's a difference between cursing and cussing. And so now... Hear me out. I'm not advocating that we all start cussing more. That's not what I'm saying. But we can curse someone out without ever using a four-letter cuss word. Are you with me? And y'all, we do it all the time. And really, what's the greater evil? When we say a cuss word or when we curse another human being who has been made in God's likeness. Because here's the thing, if we dare call ourselves followers of Jesus, if we are Christians, then we are never allowed to speak ugly. We are never allowed to curse. Christians are never permissible to speak ugly. It doesn't matter if we don't agree with others. Disagreement is fine, but ugliness, ugliness of speech is never permissible for us. You may not like some people. You may not agree with the way that some people live their lives. You may not agree with some of the decisions that other people make, but you are never allowed to speak ugly of them or about them Ugly speech is never permissible. Cursing is never permissible for followers of Jesus. And so here's what James's contemporary, Paul, said about this very same thing in a letter that he wrote to the early church in, uh, in Ephesus. He says, do not let, that means do not allow, we have some power over this thing, do not let, do not allow any unwholesome, hang on to that, unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now that word unwholesome, 
it's just a fabulous word in Greek. Uh, and, and we kind of lose uh, some of the weight of it in that English uh, translation of unwholesome. It's just, it's just way too fancy. But in the Greek, that word unwholesome, it, it really meant rotten. That it was often used in terms of speaking of fruit or fish or meat or dairy that had become overripened. And now it's rotten, it's spoiled, it's rancid, it's putrid, it's stanky. And so imagine, imagine this. He's saying, do not let any of that stink come out of your mouth. Do not let any of that smell come out of your mouth. Because anytime we have that unwholesome talk, that ugly talk, our breath stinks. And I'm not talking about like just your husband's morning breath, okay? Ladies, I know you don't have morning breath, but I'm not talking about you know, just your husband's morning breath. It's worse than that. It's worse than your boss's coffee breath. It's like that garlic and onions and hard-boiled eggs and moldy cheese breath that it hasn't seen a toothbrush in a few months. That kind of breath. The breath that just makes your head jolt back and your eyes squint up and it knocks you off your feet because it's so offensive. And Paul says, that's what your breath smells like. That's what your breath smells like every time you tear someone down. Every time you speak an ugly word about them or over them or to them, that is what your breath smells like. And so check your breath. Check your breath. And let me ask you this morning, does your breath stink? Does your breath stink? I mean, I think that should be like kind of a code word for us here in the church that whenever we catch someone, you know, saying some unwholesome things to someone else, we should say, hey, do you need a mint? (laughs) Because your breath, it kind of stinks right now. It kind of stinks. You got some stinky, stinky breath. And so church, brothers and sisters, let's not be a people with bad breath. Let's be a church where people who, who come and talk with us, they leave with that fresh and clean and minty scent after having been with us. That, that even if we disagree with one another, we don't have to offend each other with our stinky words. Because as we read from Proverbs 18, your tongue has the power of both life and death. Pleasantness and putrid. Your tongue has the power of life or death. And so let's speak words of life over and into each other. Can we do that? I'm just seeing a bunch of blank stares. Okay. All right. You're going to make me do this. So we're going to actually put it into practice now. So... This upcoming week is Thanksgiving week, and so it's a great time for us to actually practice this before you sit around tables with people who really know you and, you know, all that stuff, and things can get a little heated. Um, you've been to Thanksgiving before. So, uh, so what I want you to do, I want, you to, I want us to practice this. I want you to turn towards your neighbor, and I want you to tell them something that you are thankful for. Literally, something that you are thankful for. And 
If you know them, it can be something about them that they are thankful for. If you don't know them, just something that you're thankful for. You're thankful for that God woke you up this morning. You're thankful for God's grace. You're thankful for whatever it is. Just literally turn towards your neighbor. Tell them something that you are thankful for this morning. All right, how did your neighbor's breath smell? <laughs> some, of y'all, some of y'all got a little too close. Just kidding. Well, from here, it smells better already. <laughs> right? It smells better already. Yeah, yeah. So imagine that just like our tongue, Paul says, it's like that small rudder that can steer a whole ship. Your tongue can change the direction, change the trajectory of your life. Speak words of thanksgiving, speak words of praise, speak words of honor. And so let's end where we began last week with Paul when he said, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Because even though the tongue cannot be tamed, even though we don't have a rewind button, we do have a pause button. And the tongue can be guarded. And the tongue can be used for blessing and good. And so choose your words wisely. And when you don't, choose your words wisely. When you cannot tame your tongue, when you scorch someone, when you lay that heavy weight on them with your words, confess it. Repent of it and be reconciled with them and be reconciled with God. Own your words. Say you're sorry and hug it out. And let's seek seek to do better because our tongue has the power of life and death. So let's speak words of life. And let's create a new and a better world. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have called us to be your disciples, Lord, that you have called us to this really hard task that is just so unique, that you called us to speak your good news. And yet, God, we confess that sometimes we have not spoken your good news. We've neglected to do so. But but sometimes, Lord, we've been the bearers of bad news. Sometimes, God, the ugliness that lies within all of us has spilled out and it's scorched others. And so, Lord God, we pray for your forgiveness. Lord Jesus, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come and rest upon our lips so that we would praise you. And Lord, that it would go deeper than that. It would go into our hearts to clean us, to purify us. 
God, so that we could speak words of life. Lord, so that we would be a people of blessing and not cursing. And God, as your messengers, we truly would be bearers of that good news because you have called us to a great task. You have called us higher than where we are. So Holy Spirit, we open ourselves up to you. We close our mouths. We open our hearts. Give us the words to say. Be our lips, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.